Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church. Life, faith, together. The Bible reading is from Luke chapter 12 and then verses 13 to 21. The parable of the rich fool. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. Well, it's our harvest service today, and in our passage in Luke chapter 12 and verses 13 to 21, Jesus tells a parable, a pointed story, about a guy who gets this abundant harvest. But it all starts with someone, someone coming up to Jesus and asking him a question, and we read in verse 13, someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now, inheritance in those days was most likely a property with a bit of land attached to it that you could work and farm. And the inheritance would normally be passed on as a single unit because it was very difficult to, to divide. And so if there were multiple benefactors, they would move into the property together, they would live together, and they would work the land together. We need to remember, in those days, they had a far greater sense of community uh, than us individualists. Uh, and so they would live and work together. However, if there was a dispute between the benefactors, then people would go to a rabbi. Uh, the rabbi was kind of like their lawyer. It was their expert of the day, and they would go to the rabbi to settle their legal dispute. And the, the rabbi stated that if a benefactor wanted to divide the inheritance, it should be granted. And the general rule was that the, the eldest son would normally get a double portion. And so this guy goes to Jesus to settle his dispute with his brother. Uh, but he, he, he's not asking Jesus to mediate between him and his brother. Uh, he's kind of telling Jesus what to do. He assumes he's in the right. 
Uh, and so he's basically saying to Jesus, look, I'm in the right, my brother's in the wrong, and I want you to tell him so. Uh, and uh, you know, he, he kind of knows what he wants, and he's using Jesus to get what he wants. How often have we seen this? Soon as the, this guy's father dies, rather than the two brothers grieving together, mourning together, they start arguing and fighting over the inheritance. And how often do we see this? What looks like a perfectly functioning family, but soon as someone dies and there's inheritance involved, suddenly they start arguing and fighting, and rather than grieving and mourning together, they're calling for the lawyers and they're suing each other. How does Jesus respond? Verse 14, Jesus said, Man, who appointed me judge and arbiter between you? And, and there's a, the, the tone is kind of Jesus' reply is, is, is kind of just, he's, he's not approving. You know, it's not a great tone. Man, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's kind of as Jesus is saying, man, I don't care about that. I really don't care about that. Which is just shocking. It's a shocking answer in that culture, in a Middle Eastern culture, where inheritance and land rights are extremely important and have huge social ramifications. This is a shocking answer. Man, I really don't care about that. Why? Why is he replying like that? What Jesus is effectively saying is this dispute about the inheritance is just the symptom of the root cause. It's just the symptom of the real problem. And what Jesus is really concerned about and what Jesus cares about is the root cause, the real problem. So, so what is the real problem here? Well, Jesus says in verse, what goes on in verse 15, then Jesus said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. That the real problem over here is that there is greed in this guy's heart. There's this strong desire to have more and more stuff, more and more material possessions. And, and greed is an insatiable desire. You, you want more, but the more you get, the more you want. It's an insatiable desire. It never satisfies. And, you know, we all, we all fall into that, don't we? You know, if only I could have just a little bit more, then I would be happy. And it never satisfies. And this guy is not, not, not satisfied by, by that at all. I kind of think so, you know, sometimes we go like, I, I just need a new car. If I get a new car, then I'm going to be happy. And as soon as you get a new car, about six months later, the new model comes out. And it's got sat-nav and, and mobile head-up display and, and heated seats. I never thought about heated seats before. But now that I think about it, my bum does kind of get cold. I, I need heated seats. And, and a, a mobile phone heads-up display, what's that? I don't know. But it sounds good. I need that too. I want to get the... And it's, it was an insatiable desire. The more we get, the more we want all the time. And Jesus goes on. 
Life does not consist in abundance of possessions. Now in Greek, there, there's many words that are translated life. So, so for, for, and they all have slightly different meanings. And so, for example, buyer re refers to physical, biological life, but the word used over here is zoe, which refers to quality of life, life in all its fullness. And this guy believes that, that he will experience life and life in all its fullness by getting more stuff, by an abundance of possessions. You know, if... If I just had some more stuff, I would be happy. If I just had a bigger house, if I just had a nicer car, if I just had one more property, a holiday home, if I just had one more outfit, then I would be happy. And, and, and the adverts all buy into this, don't they? Yeah, you, you, you just need this product. And you'll be happy. You, you'll experience a greater quality of life. I mean, this soap, it doesn't just clean you. No, no. No, if you have this soap, you're going to feel better about yourself. You're going to experience a greater... Yeah, I need to get that soap. And Jesus says, no. Life does not consist in abundance of possession. And what Jesus is effectively saying to this guy is, if you're not happy without the inheritance, you won't be happy with it. If you're not happy without having the latest gadget, you won't be happy with it. And in verse 16, to really make this point, to really drive this point home, Jesus tells a parable, a pointed story, a story that makes a point. And in verse 16, he says, The ground of a certain rich man healed an abundant harvest. And so we told this guy is rich. He's already rich. Now, there's nothing wrong with being rich. It all depends on how you got your money. Did you get it fraudulently and through exploitation or through hard work? And how you use your money. Are you greedy or are you generous? So there's nothing wrong with being rich per se. And this guy's already rich. And then at no extra effort, he suddenly gets a bumper crop. You see, it tells us the ground yielded an abundant harvest. He did no extra work. There was nothing extra that he did. It was simply a gift from God. And now he has this problem. What to do with all this stuff? And so verse 17, he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And so he's got a storage problem. You know, he's got, he's got loads of stuff. All his barns are full already. Now he's got this bumper crop. He doesn't know what to do. And he's got this storage problem. How many of you are thinking, out of all the problems in the world, that's the one I want? <laughs> You know, I mean, he's got all his needs already met. He's already rich. He, his barns are already full to the max. They're overflowing. He's paid all his bills. His, his pension is covered. His medical insurance is covered. His health, I mean, his life insurance covered. All his needs are met. And now he suddenly gets this bumper crop. 
And he's like, I, I don't know what to do with all this stuff. And his solution, that's his problem, this is his solution. And then he, he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. That's his plan. I mean, that's his solution. All he's concerned about is preserving the grain for himself. Now, there was a very simple way to resolve his storage problem because there was plenty of storage available in the mouths of the poor and the hungry. But he didn't even consider that. He was too preoccupied with, as he says, my crops, my barns, my surplus. And it's crazy. But how many of us have our house overflowing with stuff? I mean, our garage is so full, our car has to stay out on the drive. And our attic is even full of more stuff. And we've got so much stuff that sometimes we have to look for additional storage to store all the stuff that we don't really need. It's just crazy. It's greed. Reasons why people are greedy. Why are people greedy? Well, the most obvious one is simply because people are greedy. I mean, if we're honest, we're all selfish and self-centered. But there are often deep-rooted, deeper-rooted reasons. Sometimes we find our self-worth, our identity, our status in our money. We find our identity in the car we drive, in the neighborhood we live in, in, in the label on the clothes we wear. That's where we find our identity. And our net worth determines our self-worth. Sometimes it's because that's where we find our security. We find our security in money. Have you ever heard of someone, or maybe you know of someone, who is, is like really rich, but they wear like old clothes, they drive an old car, they have like an average house. They never really seem to spend their money. They've got loads of money, but they never really spend it. And when they die, they leave this fortune. And you're like, well, why would you earn all that money, make all that money and never spend it? Why, why, why wouldn't you spend the money? It's because that's where their security is. Their security is in money. They're not trusting God to take care of them. They trust in money. They're thinking to themselves, well, if only I have enough money saved up and stashed away, then it doesn't matter what will happen, I will be okay because I've got money and loads of it. Their security is in money. Sometimes we find our enjoyment and pleasure in money, in stuff. Why do you keep buying all this stuff? Why, why do you keep getting into debt? Why, why do you keep buying all these toys? Because we believe that through having it, we're going to experience real happiness. That we will be happy. And so what we do, we, we self-indulge. Why are we so greedy? Well, you know, the, the world and the adverts tell us, you know, you, you need the latest gadget, you need the best, you need, you're worth it. If you get it, you'll feel happy. But it's a lie. 
It's a lie because greed is an insatiable desire. And the more you get, the more you want. It will never satisfy you. It will never lead to lasting happiness. And this is the guy in this parable. He believes that through all his wealth, he will find real life, happiness, security, self-worth, and enjoyment. And we read in verse 19, And I'll say to myself, You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Relax. Eat, drink, party. Enjoy life. Self-indulge. He feels that he's finally arrived. Because he's got all this money, he's got all this stuff, he can now really enjoy life to the full. And now that he's arrived, he makes this arrival speech. But who is he talking to? Is he talking to his friends? To his family? Is he talking to fellow landowners? No. He's speaking to himself. He experiences a profound sense of isolation. He thinks that, that all this money and all this stuff is going to give him so much happiness, but all he experiences is isolation. Oh, on the outward, on the surface, it looks like he's having the time of his life, but inwardly, he's miserable and isolated. He's got people all around him, rushing all around him, but he experiences a profound sense of isolation. And isn't that so true of us? Maybe it's just me, but whenever I start doing something, and I'm being a bit greedy, I kind of hide. I don't want other people to know. So, so I, I hide. And you know what happens when you isolate yourself? You become more inward-looking and more greedy. And so you hide more. It leads to more isolation, which leads to more greed, which leads to more isolation, which leads to more greed. And then God speaks, verse 20. You fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? God calls him a fool. If you, if you think that money will, will lead to true happiness to security and to a good self-worth and a quality of life, then God says, you're a fool. And the Greek word fool has a connotation of being stupid, but also has a connotation of being morally and ethically corrupt. And God says, you're a fool. Here's this guy who thinks he's finally arrived, he's got all the stuff, he's got all the money, his barns are full. He's about to experience life and really enjoy life now. But all he experiences is a profound sense of isolation. And then more than that, God not only gave him the gift of wealth and the bumper crop, but God also gave him the gift of life. And now God is calling in the loan. And his money can't save him from death. He planted alone. He built alone. He self-indulged alone. And now he dies alone. And he doesn't even know who will get his wealth. 
And then we read, Jesus says in verse 21, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. You see, there's nothing wrong with being rich. It all depends on what you do with your money. Are you going to be greedy or generous? And by the way, it's not only rich people that struggle with greed. There are a lot of poor people who struggle with greed and the love of money. Oh, and by the way, we are all rich. <laughs> Just in case you were wondering, by the world's standards, we are rich. And so in case you were thinking, phew, I'm off the hook. This doesn't apply to me because I'm not rich. This applies to all of us. And if we're honest, we'd have to admit that there is greed in our heart, that we are selfish and self-centered. So what's the solution? The solution is to be rich towards God. How are we rich towards God? Well, firstly, we need to recognize that our wealth is a gift from God, that everything we have, all the stuff we have, all our money is a gift from God. And it's not just all our stuff, life. Life itself is a gift from God. All our talents, all our skill sets they're all a gift from God. Not for us to use for our own self-indulgence, but to use for God. And then secondly, we need to be generous. By being generous, by using all we've got, all the stuff we've got, by using all our time and our talents, by using that for God, is how we are rich towards God. By giving generously back to God. How do we give generously back to God? Well, one, by giving to the church, to support the ministries here of the church. And by doing so, you'll see people's lives changed and transformed. You'll see young people and children coming to know Jesus and having their lives changed and our other ministries flourishing. But also to help people in the church who are struggling. Maybe they're struggling financially and you can give them a financial gift, but maybe they're struggling in other ways. Maybe you're good at cooking, you could cook some meals. Maybe you're good at doing practical stuff and you could help out practically. Maybe you're good with IT, you can help people with IT. We all have skill sets, we all have time that we can give to help others and be generous with our time and our money and our gifts. By giving to the poor, by supporting a charity, by volunteering at a charity. Help the food bank by volunteering. And, and when you give to the church, part of that gift goes to different charities because we support a different, different charities. And each month we focus on a different charity. This month we're focusing on, on Tear Fund. And so do support them. And it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. We can all be rich towards God. We can all be generous with our money, with our time, and with our skill sets. And then thirdly, by realizing that a true quality of life is, is not found in money, it's not found in stuff. It's only found in our relationship with God. True happiness, true security, true self-worth, a true quality of life will never be found in money and stuff. It will only be found in our relationship with God, a God who loves us so much that He came and He died for us because you're worth it, 
You will know how much worth God sees your worth. Well, God says you're worth dying for. That's how much you're worth. And God says He will never leave you nor forsake you. And God promises you eternal life. That's, that's true security. And God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And when you discover that plan and that purpose, it leads to a quality of life. You see, a quality of life is not found in pleasure. It's found in purpose. And when you receive that love of God, it will set you free from the love of money. It will set you free from greed. It will set you free from self-indulgence. And it will enable you to be generous. To be rich towards God. And being rich towards God is very rewarding. You'll see people's lives impacted and changed and transformed. It's very rewarding. And when you're lying on your deathbed, you may not be living in a mansion. You may not have loads and loads of stuff, all the latest gadgets. You may not have a huge bank balance. But you'll have a lot of people coming around you. Friends and family. People who love you because you made a difference in their life. People whose lives you've touched with your generosity. And ultimately when you stand before Jesus, He's not going to say, You fool, where are all your toys? He's going to say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Welcome. Come in. You see, being rich towards God is ultimately very rewarding. So are you going to store up things for yourself and build bigger barns? Or are you going to be rich towards God? Are you going to love money? Or are you going to love God with your money? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we confess that so often we are greedy. And without knowing it, we become selfish and self-centered. And we start hoarding. Hoarding stuff, hoarding monies. Or believing that our security that our self-worth and our happiness will be found in material things. Won't you forgive us? Won't you forgive us from our self-indulgent nature, our hedonistic desires of thinking it's through pleasure and happiness and, and enjoyment that we will find true life when it's not. It's through purpose, finding our purpose in you. It's only you we can bring lasting security. It's only you that can bring lasting happiness and a true quality of life. Please forgive us and then empower us to be generous. To be generous with our money. To be generous with our time. To be generous with our skill sets. And to be rich towards you. We ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. 
For more information, please visit our website, abgavenibaptist.co.uk.